Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Fallen Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part two of our mini-series on Destiny, specifically the first game in the series of Destiny, the massively multiplayer online shooter by Bungie that attempts to tell a grand sci-fi tale full of mysticism and otherworldly elements that, as we're going to find out today, completely fails to do so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get into that here in a little bit. But first, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, finishing up moving into my new place, which is, mm. you know, a lot of moving stuff back and forth, a lot of uh, hauling boxes up some stairs. So mm. plenty of exercise and stuff to keep me busy but uh i have managed to get in a little bit of video games uh yeah yeah, i managed to uh boot up titanfall 2 because the servers for that came back online oh yeah they did mysteriously got an update and everything yeah yeah it's wild uh mike i don't know if you ever played titanfall 2 i have not i've really really wanted to it is i i am postulating so i believe it came out in uh, was it 2015 it's been a while, yes. Yeah, so I believe about, I think it was about seven years ago, and I postulate that it is the best multiplayer shooter to have come out since it came out. Hank, really? Yeah, I mean, I, I cannot think of anything better than it in that space hmm. since it came out. Uh, but yeah, just a really solid shooter, a good compact single-player campaign with a concise, fun story, mm-hmm. fun well-performing multiplayer that's well-balanced and very snappy and very enjoyable. Just an all-around good shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've always heard nothing but great things about it. And the possibility that there may be a legit Titanfall 3 uh, that is not a Battle Royale potentially coming our way is incredibly exciting I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to get excited. I refuse yeah. to get excited, but it would be great. It would be great. I mean, one day they'll finish uh, fixing up, uh, is it Jedi Fallen Order? or Yes, yeah. Yes, whatever the second um, uh, Respawn uh, Star Wars game is. They'll eventually fix that for the PC, and once they're done with that, then they can move on to Titanfall 3. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be wonderful. It'll be great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I- excited for more good shooters with good, concise stories. Indeed, Alex. Which is not what I played this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what did you play? I, uh, as we were talking about before uh, the stream, I was finishing up Starfield. Mm. A game that I'm just going to tell you all now, we are probably not going to do another episode on. I uh, I said that, hey, stick to, stay tuned to the space. We might mm-hmm. actually go through the entire story. It's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, what you were describing to me sounds insane, but in a boring way. Yeah, it kind of is. Like, stay tuned. There's still a few more things I got to do, but uh, we're I'm upping that from a uh, a ninety percent to say ninety nine point nine percent chance. We ain't gonna be talking about it. Ah, uh, man. But yeah, another thing that happened this week, Alex, is I mm-hmm. discovered something tragic. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out our podcast hosting service, Podbean, uh, they eliminated the ability to post comments. Oh. About a, I think this, this happened a couple of months ago when they did a big site refresh. Interesting. So, 
So all this time I've been telling people, yeah, post in the comments what you think. <laughs> I'm sure they've been confused like, oh, uh, well, we can't. <laughs> so um, good news. I'm going to give you all two different ways you can communicate with us. One, I'm going to start posting these to YouTube again. So there we go. Okay, good call. The second is I'm going to set up a burner email so you can email me just the, the worst opinions because <laughs> why not sign me up for the dumbest services? I don't care. It'll be fun shifting through all that stupid stuff to see what uh, what y'all have to say about uh, Destiny, the MMO that basically has no story until it has way too much story. <laughs> oh, God, uh, I'm so excited about this episode. I cannot wait for this. Yeah, it's I'm excited about it, too, Alex. And to start with, we have to kind of start with a disclaimer. Mm. So previously, the idea is that this episode was going to go through year one of Destiny. And then the next episode is going to go through year two of Destiny. Mm -hmm. Year two is where they kind of fix things up by releasing the Taken King. And then after that, the Siva Crisis, which didn't fix things, but at least kept the trend going what they did with the Taken King. Right. Uh then I realized, wait, how do I even want to write this episode? Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. If I wanted to tell you about the plot of Destiny 1, just OG Destiny 1, mm -hmm. I could do that in five minutes. Absolutely. Because, yeah, there's literally nothing there. The amount of cutscenes that are actually in that game total about 33 minutes, I believe. Sounds about right. And a lot of that is just taken up with people just flying places while only at music plays. Yeah. So... Neil's say there's not really a whole lot there. And if and I'm really big about being like, okay, I'm gonna present these like these podcast episodes just with the information that's in the game. Like sometimes mm -hmm. we'll go outside and like consult like other like novels or whatnot, like right. we did for Halo, for instance. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I stick with what's in the game because that's how they're trying to present the story. That's representative of what you're going to get, right? Right. The problem is, is once again. There's not going to be a whole lot to this. And also, they technically do try to give you more info mm -hmm. via the grimoire cards that are something you have to unlock and are off on an external website. Right. So this information was available for Destiny 1. This represented, however, another problem, Alex. Mm -hmm. At this point, a lot of that information has been overwritten by stuff that happens in Destiny 2, either Redcon or mm -hmm. Redone or what mm -hmm. have you. Right. And the way this information is presented and the ability for me to even look it up without just going through the grimoire cards myself uh -huh. means that a lot of times I'm going to have to try to parse out what was in Destiny 2, what was in Destiny 1, right. what was in OG Destiny 1 before they kind of like <sighs> rewrote a lot of things in a Taken King. So I came to this sort of conclusion. Mm -hmm. The only way we could really do this is by basically just digging into the backstory dig into the lore, and that's going to be basically me talking you through the story mm -hmm. and including that stuff from that's going to be from Destiny 2 and Des and like the Taken King and right. stuff like that. Okay. Because that's simply the only way we can possibly do this and not risk like missing something that's going to come up later in Destiny 2 when we inevitably talk about that. Right. So that also sort of brings up an interesting point, which I think will be much more salient in Destiny 2. But mm -hmm. still sort of appears right now, which is if you, the viewer or listener at home, wanted to learn about this story for yourself by playing uh, through Destiny, you can't do that at this mm -hmm. point. Destiny 1 is in a an arguably dead game that you can't play. 
mm-hmm. and half of the events of Destiny 2 are no longer in Destiny 2. Yep. Yep. Like a good 60% of the game's story only lives as legacy documents on wikis and YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even like Destiny 1 content they've ported forward to Destiny 2 has actually been recontextualized. Mm-hmm. So like it's not even how that was originally presented. Like the origins of say the Vex, who are the obsessive big bad guys in Destiny 1 OG, like what their deal is in Destiny 2 is vastly different from what Destiny 1 is. Right. Because to be honest, I don't think they actually knew what their deal was in Destiny 1. Because once again, they had to rewrite this entire story over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's yeah, it's like you said, yeah, it's a lot of this information is essentially dead. Uh, and yeah, if you want to actually like look it up and find out what's going on, you have to kind of shift through like a lot of stuff and like parse out like what actually was in the original game. And so to do that would be insane. Like, I think my favorite example, this isn't going to make a lot of sense if you aren't already familiar with Destiny and we won't go into too much detail. But Mike, last time you mentioned Crow is a really interesting and good character. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me right now how much of Crow's story is actually in D- Destiny as it is currently playable? Um, exactly one, th- no, one three-minute cutscene and another two-minute cutscene, and that's it. <laughs> like who that character is is gone. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that it's... character has no context anymore. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. Yeah. It. I mean, let's talk about the Vanguard trio. I'm going to mm. be talking so much about the Vanguard trio. Mm-hmm. And I talked about last week about, like, I don't think they show up in the cutscenes. And it turns out, Alex, they do. Mm-hmm. In the final cutscene, out of focus <sighs> for a few seconds. That's it. Like, you do technically interact with them. Mm-hmm. One gives you one mission, the other gives you another mission. Right. That's it. It's Yeah, it's basically someone says, hey, here's the Vanguard, say hello. Anyway, let's go over here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And, like, I'm going to be talking a lot about their origins. A lot of them that didn't pop up until Destiny 2. Mm. Like, because it's... I have to give at least some sort of flavor there because mm-hmm. eventually like taking King's going to roll around and they're going to have big parts and are actually doing things. Yeah. And the funny thing is they're just going to have them start doing things. And you're like, wait, what's their deal? Right. Yeah. No, I remember distinctly going, okay. I, I, I remember these characters exist. Who are they? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same reaction. And like, eventually they're going to be built into well-loved characters, mm-hmm. but boy, they do them no favors at the start of this. So yeah, that's that's how we're going to kind of go about it. I am going to do my best to point out what information actually wasn't present in Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be basically a lot of backstory going on here. And it is going to be a lot of selective backstory. Okay. Like, I'm going to go pretty deep into the Fallen, even though a lot of information was revealed in Destiny 2. Because right. it's not especially, it's a lot of background information, and it's not especially relevant. But, this, but it, on the flip side, like the Hive, for instance... Mm-hmm. I'm actually not going to get too deep into them in this episode, even though, honestly, they are maybe the overarching big bad in both Destiny 1 and Destiny 2. Right. Because as we when we get into Destiny 2, or even when we get into the Taken King, for instance, mm-hmm. that's when they really start to flesh them out and right. really get into what their deal is. So we're just going to save it for then. Okay. Makes so, sense. 
that is what we're going to do. So with all of that out of the way, Alex, are you ready to sort of learn about Destiny? I have been ready for years. Fantastic. So Destiny 1. So the game starts out opening up in the present day, as in our present day, with an Apollo-style lander landing on Mars. And out walks three astronauts, one of them with an M4 assault <laughs> rifle. <laughs> Nobody, every, I, I found this like absolutely hilarious because like these two astronauts get on out mm -hmm. and then another comes out and he's just like, got, he just has an M4. He is just ready. And it's like, everyone I've talked to has never really found that too off-putting for some reason. But for me, I've always found it hilarious because I, I mean, Mars is a dead rock, but it's almost like NASA sent these astronauts there but and they like, watched Ghosts of Mars beforehand and went, nah, Mars is spooky. Well, I assume the reason he has that is because they were sent there for the reason that they end up being there. And like, That is canonically why, yes. I, I, I assume the implication of that was like, this is not a NASA mission, this is a U.S. military mission, mm -hmm. and they are prepped for things to go wrong. Yes, and you are exactly right. That is exactly the reason why. It's explained later that the thing that they are looking for, the Traveler, landed on Mars, and they went, okay, we gotta send something up there. Let's make sure one guy is packing heat <laughs> so he can, I guess, shoot at this moon-sized object? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's when you think of it in the other context, it's like, man, you all came woefully unprepared, oh, yeah. if anything. Oh, oh yeah. Um, this, this is like... Uh, not even a contingency. No, it is not. But anyways, they trek through the Martian countryside on foot. They crest the mountain and find what they're looking for. A giant white moon-sized orb that appears to be terraforming Mars. You see like thunderstorms happening in the background and whatnot. And so a voiceover then happens and it says, We called it the Traveler. Great cities were built on Mars and Venus. Mercury became a garden world. And Earth entered a golden age of scientific wonder. And this lasted for hundreds of years. However, the Traveler had an enemy, the Darkness. Now, the Darkness eventually tracked down the Traveler, and in, as a result, caused humanity's civilization to collapse. At the end of the collapse, before the Darkness could finish the job, however, the Traveler released a light that drove it back, but in return, it caused it to fall dormant. Before it could go fully dormant, the Traveler released thousands upon thousands of ghosts, Small, hand-sized floating robots with single eyes to roam the Earth in search of their partner, the one they would revive and make into guardians, near-immortal warriors able to use the mystical powers of the light to fight the enemies of the darkness. So, ghosts. Their entire deal <laughs> is... I'm, I'm sorry, I just gotta say, I hate that intro. Like, the intro itself is no. fine. I hate that monologue so much. Not only does sucks. it tell you so little, what it does tell you actually gives you the wrong idea about things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it actually does. Like, the backstory of the Traveler, and we're actually going to get into a little bit of that here, even mm -hmm. though most of it's not revealed to Destiny 2, is actually, like, really interesting. But they really set it up as being, like, this really benevolent thing, which is, like, actually... Be. Man, yeah. And, oh, the way that they just, the degree to which they not only like don't explain the light, but don't even explain like how the light is used or what it mm. does. 
in this oh, yeah. game is like, what even are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it's just this, like, this, like, power that they just do not understand and don't particularly care to understand. But we built cities with it. How? Yeah, like, what? What does that sure, mean? Okay. How'd you do that? Now, if I remember correctly, there does seem to be an implication that, like, the light as we know it in this game is different from the light in the Golden Age. The light is, like, maybe more, like, scientific acknowledgement and advancement. Uh-huh. As opposed to, like, the light now, which is just, I don't know, mystical powers that right. allow you to cast electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, arc energy. <laughs> so, there is I, probably a slight difference. Note how I said probably. Right. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We maybe will learn more about that in Destiny 2. Or maybe they'll just get make it even more confusing. Maybe both, really. Probably so, both. Anyway, probably ghosts. Both. The next thing they're not going to properly explain. Ghosts are the weirdest thing. And yeah, they those things are weird. So ghosts basically exist to find their one special person to revive and be with forever. They're sent by the traveler to find human warriors. Sometimes warriors who are I think previously they were supposed to be like warriors from like all eras, uh-huh. essentially. Like it would just find a skeleton of like a Mongol warrior and it would right. just revive it. I think that has been somewhat retconned to be more like warriors from like the collapse, essentially, mm-hmm. and post that. Basically, people that could be imbued with the light and help humanity fight against the darkness. Now, it's unknown how this is chosen for them, like what their one special person is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they just instinctively know. Sometimes they just come across a spark that makes them go, this is the one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they just remain alone, mm-hmm. unpartnered, and forever condemned to roaming forever. Some unpartnered ghosts, in fact, just kind of go to hang out with the Vanguard and act as, like, spies and whatnot, because they're tiny and float. Now, upon connecting with a Guardian, they form essentially a neurosymbiosis with them and can now revive them essentially without consequence, but only them. Once a ghost is bonded with someone, they can't say revive another Guardian who's been fallen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, they are not immortal. And in fact, the best way to kill a Guardian is to kill their ghost, robbing them of immortality. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if a ghost does somehow lose their guardian for one reason or another, because guardians are immortal, but it's more air quotes immortal, right. as we're going to find out. Many different ways you can kill a guardian. Turns out. Uh, turns out, yes. Uh, they can sometimes form this symbiosis with another guardian, though apparently that is only under very special circumstances. It's so, only going to happen like two or three times. Yes, only like two or three times. So... We cut to old Russia, specifically a place called the Cosmodrome. We're now in the present day of Destiny Destiny. Mm-hmm. So far in the future now. The Cosmodrome itself is an old site that was once used for space exploration, with colony ships still attached to the lot sites that, in the days of the collapse, was also a place that people fled to as they tried to leave Earth and escape the oncoming darkness. Uh, we know this because we see, like, rusted-out cars and tanks that are, like, lining the road as people were, cl- like, skeletons in them as people were clearly just trying to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, needless to say, they failed to. Mm. And it's in the midst of these rusted-out cars and tanks lining the roads and destroyed highways that we see a ghost is furiously scanning the wreckage, knowing it's being followed by some aliens known as the Fallen. He then finds you and revives you. And we, that's how we're going to be referring the main characters, essentially in a very personal way, because that's how the story is. Mm-hmm. The ghost then tells you he's been looking for you for a while, and it immediately tells you you need to run from the fallen. 
but not before you decide on what race you are and what gender you are. Right. So you could either be one of three different races that doesn't matter at all. You could either be a human, which is boring. You can be an exo, which is basically like a robot man. Exo's deals are not going to really be explained until <laughs> Destiny 2 year, I believe, four? Something so like six, that. It's, so like six years in. It's insane. The, what they are is like mm. one of the wildest concepts in the game. It, it is, yes. I don't know if this information is in Destiny 1, but I know that they're basically people who were once human, but then got put into robot bodies. And occasionally they have to be wiped because they get too much information built up. And when they're wiped, they're basically called the same name, but then have another number attached to it. So if you're, say, Cade 6, that means Cade has been wiped five times and he's now in the sixth iteration. <laughs> we will get any... Once again, as Alex said, it gets wilder from there. Not going to learn about that until Destiny 2, though. So but we're just going to leave that there. The fact that you can be one of those people and they don't even tell you any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just a robot person. You're just a robot person. Oh, yeah, because they wipe your memory, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's also that. Right. Um, which, oh, my God. This is getting into Destiny 2 parts, but, yeah, you sometimes still have fragments of your old life and it'll drive people, drive Exos crazy mm -hmm. and murder it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, the Exos are nuts, man. The Exos are nuts. They're so nuts. But when you pick them at character creation, it's like, yeah, do you want to be the robot person? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hell yeah, I want to be the robot person. My robot person had a giant hole in his head. And cool. I went, because he got shot. I went, hell yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then you could also be the Awoken, which are basically space elves. Um, we are going to be getting pretty deep into what the Awoken are. Or at least as much as we can get into in Destiny 1. Uh, and say mm -hmm. maybe the next 15 minutes or so. So just, just wait on that. It'll become relevant. So, you basically get revived. Uh, Guardians, by the way, have absolutely zero memory of their past life, so you don't know mm. who the heck you are. You just know that you're awake, you're holding a very, very old uh, pre-collapse uh, machine gun that is actually incredibly good in multiplayer, and you basically are told, run the hell away from these bug people. So, the Fallen, also known as the Elixni, are basically space Roma, or space pirates, or both. They are a very scattered race of vaguely bug-like people who form different clans, known as houses, and they constantly scrounge around for food and resources. Uh, their big thing is that they hide in the ruins of humanity, looking for whatever scraps they find. Uh, and they're almost constantly hungry and downtrodden and being beaten up by literally everyone else. I'm going to levy some praises for things mm -hmm. in Destiny, and you yes. can assume that most of them are retroactive praise that occurred sometime in the last 10 years. Yes. The Elixni are the best part of Destiny. They are so good. They're they... the best. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. The What they do with them in Destiny 2 is honestly kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. And, like... These plant a lot of the seeds for what's eventually they're going to be become here in Destiny 1. But yeah, they really don't act on them until Destiny 2. When you actually... I'm going to spoil this. They're the race that when I saw them, I was like, oh, they're going to be like the Halo elites, aren't mm -hmm. they? They're yes. eventually going to kind of join your side. And that's essentially what happens. That is exactly what happens, yeah. 
Yes. And it's really great when they do, because it's like, oh, man, they finally have a home again, because their backstory, as we're going to get into, is the saddest thing in the world. It's messed up and is the number one thing that makes you look at the Traveler and by extension, everything the game tells you and goes, I don't know about this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure, ma'am. This does not seem like a benevolent orb at all, man. This seems like it could be a messed up situation. It definitely could be. And in fact, let's talk about that messed up situation. Because Mm -hmm. once again, they're basically constantly starving. And this lack of food has shaped their society. You see, fallen grow bigger the more they eat. But because of the lack of food, many fallen are actually much smaller creatures. Like, your typical fallen is is taller than a human. It's like about 8 feet tall. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but most of them are actually more like five foot. And these smaller fallen are called dregs. They are the malnourished regular troops. And the well-fed captains, which are just the real form of the elixir, are their leaders. And his class system ends up being even weirder when you find out that fallen normally have four arms. Mm. But dregs have two because their arms are cut off when young as a form of control and obedience. And also so they have to eat less food. <laughs> now, if they are successful soldiers... Eventually, they will get enough ether to grow them back and become captains themselves, which then they can restart the cycle with a new set of dregs. Now, the Fallen themselves, and this is all revealed in Destiny 2, by the way, oh, yeah. or at least the vast majority of it is, they originally come from a planet called Rees that a long time ago got a visit from the Traveler that uplifted their society. Yay. Everything was great until one day the Traveler just left and... <laughs> The Elixir are like, wow, that's really weird. We're pretty sad about this. And then they got even sadder when shortly afterwards, the darkness came to destroy their society and their entire planet, scattering them to the winds. Now, this was bad, but they started to reform their society in space just long enough for another alien species, the Hive, which we'll talk about more later, showed up and messed them up even more just as they're reforming cohesive society, permanently scattering them to the winds. So a bunch of their houses then ended up in the solar system, hoping to find the Traveler and regain its favor. That's like the big thing about the Lixie. It's like, we just want the Traveler to love us again. Uh Now, because they wanted the Traveler back, this meant they ended up coming in conflict with humanity, a conflict that would result in the battles of the Six Fronts and Twilight Gap. Uh, Twilight Gap was the last real attempt at uniting the Fallen under a single banner, and it ended with them being curb-stomped by the Guardians. (laughs) Ever since then, they've lived in just the saddest existence you can even think of. A sad existence that literally had them shape their food processing machines, the servitors, just like the Traveler. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're so, they're so just obsessed with the Traveler. Just, Mm -hmm. please, Machine God, please Mm -hmm. shine your light on us again. And like, yeah, obviously, of course they are. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, it's like, that's when things were good. Ever since then, we've been starving ourselves to death and cutting off the arms of our children. Like, what if act- What if your god was just floating above New York City for, like, generations, mm-hmm. and then yep. one day left and a bunch of bug aliens showed up and slaughtered most of your race? Yeah, that's basically what happened. Yeah. And it's like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would, you would have a little hang-ups about that giant white bit. orb, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so, yeah, they're it's they're very, very sad. And one thing that Destiny 1 does a kind of a bad job of is that they talk about how these are all the forces of darkness. The, uh, uh, the uh, Fallen, the mm-hmm. Hive, the Vex, and the Cabal. 
Uh, Destiny 2 does a really good job of establishing that. No, actually, with the exception of the Hive and sort of the Vex, mm-hmm. they actually only have tenuous connections to the darkness, right. as in some of their leaders will like, be like, maybe we should tap into the powers of the darkness. Right. The rest of them are just like, oh boy, we're actually getting kind of messed up by this as well, man. Right. But yeah, no, Destiny 1, it totally just lets you say, oh, these people are the darkness. Yeah, they're the evil people. It's like an umbrella term for all of the enemies of humanity. Mm -hmm. And it turns out much later, it's like, no, no, the darkness is something else. These people are just here, which is, by the way, why they all fight each other all the time as well. Yeah, yeah. There is very rarely alliances between any of the four enemy races, as it turns out. And in fact, more often than not, they actually align with humanity, oddly enough. Uh, as we'll get into in like year five of Destiny <laughs> 2 or whatever. So back to the game. Using an old gun, you fight your way to an old ship and the ghost fixes it up with space magic because ghosts can just do that. Yep. And you fly away to the last city out of the grasp of the fallen as a mysterious cloaked figure watches on. So you fly to this last city, which is nestled in the mountains. I think somebody estimated that it's somewhere in Austria, like it was part mm. of the Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know where it necessarily is, but given that it's pretty, the two main earth zones are the European dead zone and Russia, mm-hmm. probably safe to guess that it, it's the Alps. Right. Uh, so the last city is a city net surrounded by a giant wall and underneath the shadow of the now dormant traveler. It is the last bastion of humanity at its center is the tower, the headquarters of the Vanguard where all the guardians live. So inside the tower, your character goes to an overlook and takes in a glimpse of the traveler when a weird dude wearing all white and fully masked <laughs> walks down. He then tells him they used to be so much more powerful when the traveler was awake, but now it's been dormant for a long time. He then introduces himself as the speaker, the voice of the traveler. <sighs> <sighs> what does that even mean? What does that even mean? It is, to this day, still unclear. So he's the sort of leader of the consensus, which the consensus is the leadership of the city that includes not only the citizens, but the guardians themselves, except also not really. Right, because he's not with the vanguard. He's adjacent yeah, to the vanguard. Yeah, it's unclear if he's a guardian, but he's also lived for hundreds of years. Um, Like... He just claims, he basically just claims through his mask, he can hear the traveler and interpret his thoughts. Um, he's, and once again, he's very, very old, so old that he was present when the city was first founded. Mm-hmm. Uh, he basically tells you about the traveler and the ghosts and the guardians. And by that, I mean far less information than I've given you. Yes. He basically says, Traveler shut down, it released ghosts. That's where the guardians came from. And then you ask how the traveler ended up like this, and the speaker grows quiet. He says he could tell you of the great battle centuries ago and how it was crippled, mm-hmm. about its enemy, the darkness, mm-hmm. and about how everyone is frightened and how humanity's on its last legs. Yeah, yeah. Could you tell us all that? He he could. He could? He, he ain't gonna, though. Why? He's gonna... Well, because he's gonna be too busy telling you about how the darkness is coming back and we're all gonna die. What? What does that mean? I don't know what the darkness is, dude. This game ain't sure what it is either, as it turns out. Like, they really set it up as, like, just, like, a wave hit the Earth and just everyone died, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it, 
Like, it could be anything. It could be a wave. It could be the four enemy races. It could be something else. It could be an anti-traveler. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't say. It just says there was the darkness and then a war and now we're here. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Which, I mean, I'm not upset at the fact that there's, like, that sort of mystery. Um, but it is... <laughs> What I am upset is that he says, I could tell you, yes. but I'm not. Deliberately obscuring plot information from the audience is, it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's, and knowing the backstory of how this got developed, you know that the answer to that is called, I could tell you, but we had to rewrite the story. Right. So we don't know yet. <laughs> Which, fine, I guess, whatever. Sure. So he tells you to join up with the other guardians and fight against the darkness. He says, play the multiplayer game. And then he says he <laughs> hopes your ghost chose wisely when selecting you. So since the speaker, or really the game, doesn't really want to tell you what's going on, I guess it's up to me to do it. Mm-hmm. So uh, strap yourself in. This oh, is going to be long. Because I'm basically going to tell you about the history of humanity. Okay. So after the collapse, humanity eked out a rough hunter-gatherer-like existence in various small settlements all across the earth. Shortly after this, the first Risen showed up, a.k.a. early Guardians. Now, before they were Guardians, the Risen were kind of guns for hire, essentially, out for themselves. So they acted either as, like, Wild West sheriffs, dispensing their own brand of justice, bandits, or in some cases, just warlords, just ruling over humanity with, Mm -hmm. like, a a tyrannical fist of Mm -hmm. iron. In the meantime, the Fallen showed up and took over more and more of the planet until a noble a group of Risen came together and called themselves the Iron Lords, which we will get into more when we get into the Sifa Crisis. They eventually took back parts of the Earth from the Fallen and were largely responsible for stopping the tyranny of the other evil Risen. Eventually, with the help of the Speaker, they united the various factions and helped form the Last City, founded underneath the Traveler. And the Last City apparently formed very organically. It was just a bunch of settlements Mm -hmm. just migrated to the same place. And then eventually they said, what if we built skyscrapers? And there we go. (laughs) Now, this didn't lead to an immediate peace. Mm -hmm. Factions within the city tried to vie for control for the city government, known as the Consensus. But after the Guardians, now reformed under a military command called the Vanguard, put a stop to all this, uh, the Risen, once they joined the Last City, became known as the Guardians, it led to an uneasy peace where what's left of humanity decided to try to fight back against the darkness and take back what used to belong to them. So what are these different factions, you ask? Well, you have the Vanguard. These are made up of guardians who are essentially led by three major guardians, one representing each class of guardian, which I cannot believe I haven't talked about yet. Oh. It's not really that relevant. Um, there, there are three classes you can have. You can either be a Titan, which is Shooty McPunchman. Uh, you can either be a Warlock, who is basically like magic, insightful person who has a... Basically, any um, named Warlock is going to basically read a tome a little bit too deeply and be corrupted <laughs> by the darkness to have their mind destroyed. That's just sort of what they do. Yep, that, that's how it goes. And then Hunters, who are basically just cowboys. Yep. That's what they are. Now, it is important to note that no matter what class you are, 90% of your time is going to be shooting a gun. Yeah. So, like, don't worry about it too much. It's not like an RPG where it defines 80% of your action pool. Yeah. Most of your gameplay is still shooting the same guns as everyone else. But sometimes you get to throw a special or grenade. 
Yep, pretty much. Yeah, it really only matters when you're trying to do like really like high level, high coordination content. When yeah. Then you're like, okay, no, I we do need a Titan so we can pop the bubble shield or whatever. Right. Or a Warlock so we can give like damage buffs and whatnot. But every other time it's just like, well, this one floats when they double jump. Mm-hmm. This one actually has a double jump. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, so basically there's three major like factions of guardians. Uh they don't compete against each other, they just do different things. And uh there's three major guardians, one representing each class of guardian. There's Commander Zavala, Titan Vanguard. He's an incredibly serious awoken who has been around since before the creation of the last city in a way that actually should be impossible. <laughs> But we're just not going to worry about that. Uh, upon his revival, he decided to make his way to the Traveler, killing Fallen along the way with the spear of theirs he found. As he moved towards the Traveler, he ran into more and more encampments filled with humans and guardians. All would eventually travel to the, well, Traveler as well. After a series of battles with the Fallen would help lead to the creation of the last city, uh, he would eventually be some of the first people to help construct some of the first buildings that actually existed in the city. While he's not the first leader of the Vanguard, after the disappearance of their last leader, Saint-14, uh, a character who's referenced a lot in supplementary material, but you don't think, I think you don't see him until Destiny year, Destiny 2 year 6? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, he basically took it upon himself to become leader of the Vanguard once Saint-14 disappeared. So he's the nominal leader of the Vanguard, and he's assisted in that role by two others. First is the Warlock Vanguard, Ikora Ray. Ikora is a human and disciple of the previous Warlock Vanguard, Osiris. Now, much like Osiris, Ikora is studious in her research and of the Traveler, the Light, the Darkness, and in many ways is the intellectual leader of the Vanguard. Uh, she basically took the role over from Osiris after Osiris kind of went a little bit crazy about the <laughs> Vex and kind of started neglecting his duties, forcing Ikora to basically act as Vanguard leader in his stead mm -hmm. and then eventually osiris is like i'm just gonna go to mercury and ikora is <laughs> like that's stupid he's like that's what makes you a good leader i'm gonna go to the place where that the vex have turned into a machine world i might die see ya <laughs> osiris it's, is very stupid we're gonna learn a lot about him in destiny 2 it's, it's not gonna come up until destiny 2 but everything about Osiris and the way they handled his introduction is like mm -hmm. the worst for where they went with it. Yep. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah, o Osiris is maybe like the one character that they have not successfully redeemed. No. And of course, corrected on. Yeah, no. So Ikora herself is similar to Zavala in that she's very serious. However, unlike Zavala, who's just 100% business all the time, she at least possesses a very dry sense of humor. Finally, there's a hunter vanguard, Cade Six. Cade is an exo who acts as the chief scout of the vanguard, and often has a tendency to go off on his own to just do sneaking missions and other stuff without the approval of the vanguard. He's very much a guy of the mindset of break stuff now and apologize later. Mm -hmm. Now he, he's the one voice acted by Nathan Fillion, and therefore mm -hmm. is a Nathan Fillion character. Yes, he is 100% a Nathan Fillion character. Like. To the point that he's sort of polarizing, I have found. I Yes, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, people either hate him because, well, he's just Nathan Fillion character. Yeah. Whereas others who, like, enjoy that particular type of character are like, nah, man, he's great. He's wacky. Right. I've gone back and forth on how I feel about Cade. Mm. So, so is Cade, Bungie. 
Yeah, actually, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, Cade is interesting in that he's an exo, and because of that, there's actually significant documentation of his past life. Remember, Guardians, when they're revived, have no memories of their past, mm-hmm. um, with exceptions, as we will find out. Mm-hmm. Cade, being an exo, actually, somebody wrote down who the heck he was. Right. Now, this is... A lot of this is more relevant in Destiny 2 because there's literally an entire DLC that's just basically like the life and times of Cade 6. So we'll tackle that then. But what I will say is that before the collapse, he was once human, became an Exo, and was there to witness the fall of humanity. So there's that. Upon being revived, he found himself with a journal containing the name of a boy named Ace. And upon meeting his ghost, which is named Sundance, he immediately freaked out and and accidentally ran off a cliff. After his ghost revived him, status post falling off a cliff, mm-hmm. he decided that, okay, I'm going to just, like, write in his journals, like, responses to this kid named Ace, and, like, use that as kind of, like, therapy, and, like, go and try to get answers about my life. Something that's, like, verboten mm-hmm. in Guardian Circles. You're not supposed to try to learn about your past life. Mm. But he's not part of the Vanguard at this point. He's just going to be like, I'm going to go, like, beat with, like, the leader of the Awoken, Marasov. Go and commune with the Hive. Maybe they have answers. Uh, He's not going to get any answers, and in fact, most of the time, he's going to have to, like, run away as said entities try to kill him. Mm-hmm. A lot of his backstory is like, I'm going to go talk to these evil Eldritch monsters. Oh, no, they're trying to kill me. I got to I gotta go. <laughs> Eventually, he finds a group of humans and sticks with them for a bit. And while he's helping them flee some fallen, him and his group are saved by Zavala. And long story short, that's how he ended up with the Vanguard. So... There are other civilian factions in this game that vie for control of the city. Factions that will, unfortunately, never be made good upon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at all. Like, in case anyone's wondering, no, the consensus does not continue to come up in later Destiny story. They do not. No? <laughs> no, they don't. That whole thing is just gonna go. Yep. They're eventually just gonna be like, the Vanguard leads humanity. Yep. That's it. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, they have three factions that are all pretty interesting that, uh, once again, in Destiny 1, they do zero with, and in Destiny 2, they half-heartedly try before writing them out. Yep. I actually, it's been so long, I actually forgot about them until just this moment when I remembered who you were talking about. Yep. Yep. And honestly, I don't blame you, because, like, (laughs) why would you even think about these idiots? They're gone. They're just gone, and I didn't like them when they were there. (laughs) I liked one of them, and that was it. Yeah. So these three factions all have different ideas of what direction humanity should take and don't take long to explain, so we're just going to knock them out here. Mm. So first you have Dead Orbit, whose colors are black and white, and they're led by Iraq Jalal. Jalal is a reef-born Awoken, and I'll get into what that means here in a bit. Uh, Dead Orbit's belief is that humanity's future does not lie with the Traveler, and in fact, they should just leave the solar system entirely, Colonize the stars in a way that makes it so that there's just too many of them for the darkness to kill, mm. which um, is a strategy. Yeah. Uh, what technology are you going to do that with, idiot? Uh, colony ships that were unsuccessful at escaping the darkness the first time around. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bang up plan. Do we even still have those? I mean, technically, yeah. Uh, according to lore in game, they are actively building colony ships. They never do anything with them. Great. But they were. Okay, sure. Anyways, they're just space goths. Yeah. Um, and they were somehow the most popular faction by leaps and bounds. 
uh, according to Destiny 2. I think their color scheme is just hard to mess up. It is. You know, black and white, kind of solid, right? Yeah. Even with uh, bad color schemes <laughs> that I were, were so bad I loved, actually. Yeah, fair. You have my favorite faction, the Future War Cults. Future War Cult. Oh, yes. They are led by the Exo Lakshmi 2. The Future War Cult believe that conflict is just the nature of the universal and is inescapable end state. They believe humanity should make their stand on Earth, and if they all die, then whatever, man. At least they did some <laughs> fighting. And also, by the way, they totally believe they're all going to die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they're very nihilistic. They're like, man, we stand no chance. Let's just take them with us. <laughs> They have the worst color scheme, consisting of uh, faded purple, red, orange, and yellow. Oh, God, it's so bad. None of them go together. <laughs> I love them. It was great. That was, yep. It was so good. I always rocked your colors until they decided we need to take them out of the game. So, yep. Finally, you have New Monarchy, which is... I hate New Monarchy. <laughs> I, I was trying to even remember... Wait, who is the third one? I remember they were red and gold. That's all I can remember. Yep, red, gold, and yellow was their colors. And really more, uh, I said, oh, yellow, no. Red, gold, and white. Okay. It's mostly red and white, really. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. So they are led by the human executor Hideo, and they are exactly what they sound like. Basically, they hope one day the consensus will decide to dissolve themselves and appoint a single person <laughs> as the new king to lead humanity into a golden age. They're stupid as hell. They're so stupid. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, that's basically the end of my spiel about the backstory of humanity. Once again, some of this is in the Grimoire cards. Some of this is Destiny 2. None of it is explained in-game. Right. Congratulations. Also, the weird thing about the factions is, like, the speaker sets it up like, oh, yeah, these are the members of the consensus who represent humanity. But, like, mm -hmm. I never got the sense that the factions were any more than, like, weird cults off to the side with, like, 20 people each. That the yeah. average person just looked at it and was like, what those fucking weirdos are doing weird shit again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. In fact, I'm trying to remember if it was Destiny 1 or Destiny 2 where they just weren't, like, their leaders just weren't even in the game at first. Like, yeah. it took them, like, a few patches before they finally just showed up. Yeah. Like, they just, an empty room was, like, the Future War Cult headquarters. You're like, there's no, there's no lady in here. <laughs> yeah, it... It's very, very silly. So there's a bunch more people here as well, like uh, Raul, the guy who basically discos your ingrams, mm -hmm. Amanda Holloway, who's the shipwright in Banshee 44. They are great characters. They are not going to flesh them out until Destiny 2. You go there, you talk to them once, you move on. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, you might come back to them to like get your engrams decrypted so you can get new weapons or whatever Banshee 44 did in the first game. I don't even remember at this point. Uh, poor Amanda, you just never do anything with No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Amanda has an incredibly good arc with Crow in Destiny 2 that's incredibly well done. Uh, once again, that's like literally year eight. Uh -huh. It's going to be a while, man. And kind of, once again, depends on backstory character information that isn't in the game anymore. Yeah, yeah. But also, is that arc still in the game? Oh, the the one with Crow? Yes, it absolutely is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's in there. Uh, as well as her relationship with uh, Zavala as well. Okay. That's also in there as well. So yeah, but once again, it, they just don't talk about it until Destiny 2 when right. they decide we should make these people characters. So mm -hmm. yep. we'll, 
We'll talk about them when they become relevant. So, yeah, it, um, it's, God, it's yeah. yeah it's, 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 it seriously just takes them that long to, like, and I, I mean, at least they let you talk to Zavala more than once, I guess. But anyways, so getting back on track, you are sent back to the Cosmodrome once by Zavala, once by Ikora, and I think once by Cade on separate missions to figure out what the Fallen are up to. Mm-hmm. When you then run into the Hive, a species of weird eldritch slash undeadish creatures with a very medieval bent to them. Mm-hmm. Basically, their armor and general look is very much like their armor is like just like bones all twisted up and like are like spindly and all that. Uh, they like to use swords. Their different like classes are named like knight and wizard and acolyte and what have you, ogre, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, they're going to become incredibly more relevant in destiny 2 when they are essentially the big bad of more or less that entire game like so many yeah so many expansions are going to deal with the hive and what their deal is Mm -hmm. and the underpinnings of what they do and how it relates to the darkness like they're the one group that actually is attuned to the darkness as we find out in ways that are just not explained until Destiny 2, so we're going to handle that then. Right, but that it does end up sort of explaining an initial problem that they have, which is the other three factions are all, like, cyber armor of one sort or another that shoot, like, mm-hmm. laser guns at you. Yeah. And meanwhile, like, the Hive just bring out their wizards who are floating dudes who throw laser plasma at you from their hands. Mm-hmm. And ogres, which are big hulking things that shoot beams out of their foreheads. Yep. And everyone's just like, oh, yeah, that's the hive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do they fly and shoot lasers out of their bodies? <laughs> I think there is technically an explanation for that due to the strange nature of their home world and whatnot. And, right. Uh, and the darkness imbuing powers they have. But yeah, it is it is so much different from how everyone else acts, which maybe is the reason why they're explored the most, if I had to make a guess. Probably, yeah. But like in Destiny 1, I don't even remember anyone going, oh, it's because they have worms. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I think there might be a little bit of that in the Taken King. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're definitely not OG Destiny. Definitely not. Uh, but yeah, so wait for that. I guess. Uh, yeah. Wait for next episode when we start to dig into that. So, now, it's a big deal that they're here, because they're supposed to have been confined to the moon for centuries. Mm-hmm. But their discovery... Oh, go ahead. Wait, well, I was just gonna say, again, the fact that they can fly and shoot lasers out of themselves means how did you confine them anywhere? Yeah, right? They just uh, walk through dark portals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... The idea is that apparently we're going to get into this more next episode, but basically the Guardians got into a big old giant fight with them on the moon in Mm -hmm. order to try to reclaim it, got just curb stomped by them. And then the hive just went, we're just going to hide in the moon for a little bit and recharge. Right. And do that for like a couple hundred years. So there is a reason why they kind of were confined on the moon. And it's more due to mild incompetence on the (laughs) Guardian side. Right. And infighting on the high side, but that'll be for next episode. So, point is, though, they're here, and that is bad, because it's like, oh, there might be a big invasion coming from the moon. It's also during this you find an old Russian war mind, or essentially an AI defense program that meant, was meant to coordinate humanity's golden age defenses. Mm-hmm. This thing is called Rasputin, who is still alive and is still doing stuff. 
And after reconnecting the Cosmodrome sensor arrays to the greater solar system, uh, something you're supposed to do so you can now like travel to the other celestial bodies and continue investigating the darkness, uh, Rasputin uses that to escape and just like kind of like upload itself to various points of the solar system. I have so many problems with this. Okay, so first of all, big surprise. They don't do a good job expl- explaining or introducing who the hell Rasputin is. They do not at all. Like, I don't even remember if the amount you just explained about what a war mind is, mm. is in the game. I think it is. It must be. They must have had some cursory line about, oh, yeah, it's like a, it's like a defense program that coordinates mm. planetary defenses. Um, why is it alive? So... <laughs> That's a good question. They just decided it should be sentient back when, I guess, the Russians built it. Right. And it survived the collapse due to shenanigans? A lot Uh, of shenanigans, it turns out. Yeah. In Destiny 1, there's some grimoire cards about basically, like, the war mind sending out messages of being like, oh, God, there is something coming that's going to mess things up. And it's just being like, well, I could defend humanity, or I could just maybe hide. (laughs) And it shows hide. Great. That's what we want our weapons platforms to do. Indeed. It's that's just... going to be retconned, but. <laughs> but also, okay, okay, great. You're sent on a mission to reconnect the uplink so that you can travel the solar system, right? Mm-hmm. No yep. one did that before? Apparently not, no. No, it's been hundreds of years. To be fair, the whole big old battle on the moon, the last time they tried to, like, just leave the Earth, Mm -hmm. it went real badly for them. Like, hundreds of Guardians dead badly for them. So I think they were just more, like, kind of licking their wounds and trying to, like, get humanity back on the same page. And then you just show up and are like, I'm just magic, man. I'm the main character. Let's put a pin in that, because I'm the main (laughs) character. Is like the energy you exude throughout the whole game for no discernible reason. Oh god, it really is, yes. It's like it's not even it's not even not explained. It's not it's barely acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it barely is. <laughs> like they barely even mention that you have killed like five gods over the course yep. of this game. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh yeah, he's a guardian. He's part of the Vanguard. The Vanguard is cool. I'm like I I am doing everything. Mm-hmm. Literally everything, yes. Yeah, Destiny 2 eventually just drops that facade and goes like, okay, no, you're just everyone's special friend. Right. Uh, but yeah, Destiny 1 definitely wants to play up. It's like, hey, well, it's a bunch of Guardians teaming up to take down these threats. So right. that's what's going on here. You're not that special. You're a little special, but not that special. It's also really funny because in Destiny 1, there's a surprising amount of you talking at this. Yes. Something that's going to go in <laughs> Destiny sure 2. Is. Oh boy, it sure is. <laughs> oh. oh, man. To the point that it's a big plot twist when you start speaking again in Destiny mm-hmm. 2. Um, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting the choices they kind of make. Right. And, and now, in basically like year 9 of the game, coming up on year 10... There are implications that maybe there is a reason you're special, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. The last trailer they put out has the ghost being like, I don't know why I selected you. It must have been a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you were special all along. 
Mm-hmm. Stare at once again your body trail of dead gods behind you. He's like, yeah, you think? You think, ghost? <laughs> oh, I've killed the entire leadership of the hive at this point. <laughs> Pretty uh, much. Oh, so yeah. Once again, wait until Destiny 2 if you want any idea about what Rasputin's deal is, because mm-hmm. they are not going to bother this game. No, but they will act as if they did come Destiny 2. Oh, yeah, they really will. They'll just oh, be like, oh, Rasputin's back. You remember everyone's friend? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wasn't he that robot who did nothing that one time? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, it was. Crazy, huh? He might be evil. Anyways. Might, be. might not be? I don't think they ever decided <laughs> now that I'm remembering. They decided he was uh what's her he was Anna's friend, and that's good enough. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. That makes sense. So Given this disturbing report of Hive being on Earth, you take off to the moon to see what they're up to. So the moon in this day and age is a bit more messed up compared to the days of the old. Its mm. base was cracked open by the Hive invasion. They built a bunch of tunnels in there into it, including something called the Hellmouth, that they do evil rituals down there and whatnot. <laughs> they're really big on rituals. As they are, out. which they'll just sort of mention later on. It's like, oh yeah, they do magic rituals to the darkness all the time. Mm-hmm. Just... All the damn time. And to be fair, it does rub off on other people. Like, eventually the Vex are going to be like, what if we started worshipping yeah. things? Mm. Which is kind of funny on his face, really. <laughs> yep. So, you disrupt the hive ritual uh, and come across the body of a guardian who's been drained by his light by hive ritual. You also gr- catch a glimpse of a shadowy figure from... Uh, that uh, you actually saw before on the Cosmodrome, but she quickly disappears just in time for you to get sworn by the Hive. After fighting him off, a voice comes over your intercom, though, telling you, you're interesting. Not entirely interesting, but you have promise. She then warns you there are enemies you could not believe, but if you survive, to come find her on Venus. So after descending into the Hellmount and disrupting a Hive ritual, you take off for Venus. So Venus is a terraformed world uh, that is very similar to Earth in terms of atmosphere and whatnot. But in this day and age, the cities on it are completely ruined, uh, half of which are still standing, but the other half are slowly being turned into a weird reality-bending mass of metal by creatures known as the Vex. So much like the Hive, a lot of the Vex's deal is explained in Destiny 2, mm-hmm. uh, in a way where it's clearly they had no idea what to do with them in Destiny 1. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will go a little bit more in depth here because they are sort of the big bads of Destiny 1, question mark. Um, to the extent that there is one, yes. Yeah, to the extent of they're the last things you fight in OG right. Destiny 1. They're the final boss, so make of that what you will. Yeah. Uh, so what we got for Destiny 1 is that the Vex are a machine collective, essentially a swarm intelligence that's made up of trillions of processes that themselves are uploaded into individual foot soldiers and war machines of the Vex. Now, they are not just mechanical, they are actually biomechanical. Uh, they essentially have like a blood called radioluminance that is like this like white milky fluid that mm-hmm. may contain pure information, may contain nanobots. I've read conflicting sources because I think this has been retconned or rewritten multiple different ways. Mm. The point being is it's their lifeblood and Mm -hmm. contains intelligence in it. Now, 
All of this gives them an intense amount of intelligence with all these nanobots and nanoswarms, allowing them to deduce the secrets behind quantum and high-level energy physics. This, in turn, has allowed them to discover the secrets behind time travel. Uh, <laughs> it turns out that the cities that uh, Earth built on humanity built on Venus were actually built on discovered Vex ruins on Venus, well before the first time they actually arrived in the solar system. Because it turns out they arrived, then decided to go back in time. Um, and in fact, I think the Vex on Earth are technically from a different reality where they won and are now trying to assimilate all of realities? That may have been retconned. Ignore that part. Anyways. The fact that the Vex are not the only villain in Destiny and also are not currently absolutely destroying us is mm -hmm. absurd. Yes. They are yeah. a singularity. They move through time. They move across dimensions. They are infinite in power and number. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, somehow a couple thousand guardians are able to hold them off. Yep, we're just holding them back. Mm-hmm. Like, what? what is... There is no explanation for why they haven't just won. There isn't. And, like, it gets even crazier when they talk about how, like, Oh man, the garden world of Mercury, when the Vex arrived, they terraformed it completely into a machine world within, like, I think it was like literally three days or uh -huh. something like that. And it's like, wow, that's, that's fucked up. How are we still alive against them? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if nothing else, they could just fly that to Earth and crash it into us. Yeah, or do literally anything, <laughs> really. Yeah, no, it somehow... The Cabal are able to go toe-in-toe -toe with them. Yeah. The Hive are able to influence them enough that the Vex decide that maybe Warship is cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, and the Fallen are just like, I hope they don't completely kill us. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's amazing that the Vex have not just completely just destroyed everything. It's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. It, the, there is, it makes no sense and there is no explanation. Yeah, yeah. Um... They're, they're big things. You shoot them in the stomach instead of the head in order to do critical hit damage. Wow. Anyways. And why do they have weak points? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's very silly. It's very silly. Um, so yeah, what they want in Destiny 1 is, in, is entirely unclear. What is known is that they do want to cause something called a convergence or the transformation of all life into, of the universe into a simplified digital form that I believe has been retconned in Destiny 2 into something else mm. uh, we'll get to that when we get to that because much like the much like the hive destiny 2 is like the vex power hour if they aren't mm -hmm. talking about the hive they're talking about the vex yep <laughs> and then occasionally the fallen show up to be like what if we got an expansion mm -hmm. <laughs> that'd be cool right what if we got a season where we get to be pirates and everyone goes that sounds fun and then everyone gets disappointed by it yes yeah, like most seasons like most seasons. So you fight your way through the Ishtar Academy, which is an academy that was built to study the old Vex ruins before they knew what the hell those things were. Um, and after surviving an ambush, you come face to face with the woman who's been stalking you, an Exo who goes by the name of the Mysterious Stranger. This character, when, is it, when it's eventually revealed who she is... She becomes so cool. She does. She becomes so great. I love her. She Here sucks she, in this game. She's a punchline in this game. Literally, she's a punchline. <laughs> there are so many people 
who are going to write about Destiny's lack of story by repeating the quote that she gives you as you ask, who are you? What are you doing here? And she says, I don't even have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. And everyone said, maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How she is using this as this strange ass MacGuffin that is just an absolute nothing of a character, a mystery box that's supposed to lead you to the what you need to seek out. She does so by not explaining anything, speaking to somebody who is not revealed to you who it is. She is terrible. She is terrible. Who uh, was she speaking to? I don't know, actually. I think we're going to find out eventually, but at the moment, I don't know. Yeah. I hope, I hope no one. I hope they <laughs> just forget that that happened. Given how much they changed with the Taken King, I actually would totally believe that they just decide, screw it, we're just going to wipe that one out. Yeah. Like, whatever, man, who cares? So, yeah, she um, tells you all about how she doesn't, she can't explain anything. We learn she's not a guardian, but rather someone who's trying to find something called the Black Garden. She tells you that's where the Vex are born. Something that is not true, not, but don't worry about it. It's not true at all. But you need to find it and destroy it in order to help the Traveler to heal. And that be put on the path of waking it back up. Yeah, supposedly the darkness at the center of the Black Garden is causing the Traveler to remain dormant. It, it's sucking its power away. It's... You're going to be shocked. They're not going to talk about the Black Garden a whole lot after this. <laughs> yeah, they're just going to start kind of ignoring that after this. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to assume that she lied about that part. Yeah, she just didn't understand. It's just like, she's like, I can't, I can't, ex I don't have time to explain she, to you because I, I can't explain it to you. She was like, okay, I need this guardian to do something. What if I tell him the traveler's in trouble? They, the, those guardians, they love the traveler. Yeah, they just love the Traveler. He seems stupid enough. He just got barely born, man. He barely knows shit. Let's just send him on his way. So the stranger tells you that she can't go with you. She has her own destiny elsewhere uh, that they will figure out uh, six years from now. Mm -hmm. I think technically less. And the ghost then tells you we need to find the Awoken. Live on the edge of darkness in space, specifically at a place of the reef in the asteroid belt. Because apparently they're the ones who know may know about the Black Garden. So I actually, when I created my character, I picked an Awoken because I was like, whoa, that dude has blue skin and light up eyes. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, Mike, I have a question to this day. Yes. Who are the Awoken? <laughs> stupid. So. <laughs> so stupid. It's like, could you tell me anything about the character that I'm deciding to create? Yeah. Destiny is incredibly scant about what the Awoken's deal is. Destiny 2 gets heavily into what mm -hmm. the Awoken are in a way that I honestly really like. I, mm. I think that the backstory of the Awoken, uh, similar how like the backstory of the Hive being like almost like this kind of like medieval fantasy race that somehow ended up in the future, mm -hmm. is actually really interesting. Like it allows them to do different things with like their architecture and how yeah. their worlds look and whatnot. Destiny does not bother to explain any of it. And in fact, when we get to the Taken King, they're going to do something kind of nuts with them. A little that bit. Makes me wonder if they just decided maybe we don't need to deal with them anymore. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into their what their backstory is and in put in some details from Destiny to you. But let's start with you even meeting them in the first place. So you go to the reef and you find out that the reef is not only the asteroid belt, 
but it's basically where all of Earth's colony ships died as they tried to escape the collapse. It's like they were all just hit with a wave and just mm-hmm. everyone died on board. And almost immediately, you're set upon starships on the orders of the Queen of the Awoken, Mara Sav. You're then taken before her and her brother, Prince Aldrin, who's a real piece of shit. He sure is. Aldrin is gonna become one of my favorite characters. Yep. But for now, he's just gonna be... He's going to be a try-hard boy who hates you. Mm-hmm. Also, he's, that he... arc is gonna disappear from the game, too. <laughs> It but is, it's but fine. it's fine. So, Aldrin, just to describe how he looks, Aldrin looks like either Tobey Maguire from Spider-Man 3, mm. or basically every teen villain that, like, from mm. every movie where the nerdy high schooler has to beat up so he can impress the, the cheerleader. Like that's basically what his look is. Like he's he has the he has the hair that has the long bangs that go over one eye and everything, mm. and he's constantly <laughs> condescending. Like the man has the man has real like high school is the best part of my life sort of vibes to him. Mm-hmm. It's great, but also it's the worst part of my life because I hate my life. Exactly. Yeah. The, the man. The the man constantly is drawing the stylized S in the margins of his notebook. Oh, God. So. You um you come upon the throne and talk to Aldrin, and then a couple fallen come out from behind the throne. You draw a gun on him, only to be held by knife point by Aldrin as Marasov walks out and goes, It is afraid of the fallen. It does not understand these ones are mine. Oh Marasov. Oh, Marasov my- sucks in this game. She sure does. She's her design's so cool though. Oh, her design's so cool. Yeah, she has like the blown out hair that's like all white, like wearing just like a bunch of fur and all that but it's also like like slim leather as well like yeah no i i love her look but her, her constant way of talking is just to be very detached like mm-hmm. we should see what it does it seems to want something should i give it it and you're like you can you can just talk to me like a normal person man like this please stop being condescending <laughs> So I should explain what the Awoken's deal is. So the Awoken are space elf humans. They are distinguished by the pale blue skin, purple, pinkish, or white hair, and have glowing blue eyes. So how they came about is that when the collapse happened and a bunch of colony ships were trying to flee the Earth, one of these ships, the Yang Liwei, also known as the Exodus Green, was caught in a big old battle between light and dark. This caused a Kugelblitz, which, or essentially a black hole that sucked the ship into a pocket dimension while also completely annihilating everyone on board. Whoops. Oopsie. Now, this didn't kill them. It instead turned them into beings of pure potential, and eventually, one of those potentials made their way out. This was Marasov, formerly a low-ranking crew member on the Exodus screen, but being the first person out, she managed to reassemble herself and inside this pocket dimension, known as the Distributory, she reshaped it into an earthly paradise. At the same time, the ship's captain, Alice Lee, spelled A-L-I-S-L-I, uh, originally was spelled as you would think Alice Lee. Mm-hmm. A, lot of the, a lot of the names of Awoken are basically kind of like different takes on regular names. Right. Marasov herself being one of those. Um, she also awoke, and together... 
They managed to awaken the rest of the crew and passengers on the ship, reincarnating them into Awoken with only vague memories of whom they once were. So very Guardian-like. Mm-hmm. It's also very Guardian-like because they're also immortal to an extent. Mm. Like they can die by trauma, but they essentially never age. Mm. Now, Alice Lee became the first queen of the Awoken while Marasov basically acted as her chancellor as they ruled over their new kingdom. Now, this rule lasted thousands of years because it turns out time moves faster in the distributary. Mm-hmm. And it was able to last this long because the distributary Awoken, once again, were essentially immune to aging. Now, a bunch of other stuff happened. Um, they basically went from being a hunter-gatherer society to basically being into space travel, rediscovering technology, all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. a schism in belief between the Awoken... Uh, occurred between the forest dwelling people who believe they owed a debt to the cosmos for the immortality and the city dwellers who believe that this was the reward for deeds in a past life. This eventually leads to a big old dumb war where the city dwellers, dwellers essentially win. So Queen Alice Lee abdicates after this, and the successive queens, through Marasaw's machinations, eventually decide to get into space exploration. Which, once that all gets finalized, Marasaw is like, cool. I'm going to take a bunch of our people and just bounce. <laughs> and the queens of the distributor are like, well, we don't really want you to do that. And Marisol's like, tell shit, I'm out. <laughs> so she ends up leaving with a bunch of Awoken and they leave the distributory for good, establishing her own kingdom in the Reef. Now we're back to the present day events of Destiny 1, or at least slightly before them. Uh, the future present day events mm-hmm. when Guardians exist and whatnot. Marasov and her new kingdom were almost like almost immediately came in contact with the fallen and also discovered that Earth was still a thing. Mm. And this caused a bunch of awoken to be like, okay, well, we're gonna go to Earth. Which Marasov was like, oh, this is ironic. Mm. <laughs> um so they ended up going to Earth, which is why the Earth has a bunch of awoken on there. And awoken that are born on Earth are called Earthborn Awoken, uh Awoken Born Reef are Reef Born, and that's gonna be a a class distinction with these, right. between these two people now. This is very elven. Yes. High elf, wood elf. Yes. Yeah, this is... The, when I say that the, they are the space elves, they are the space elves. Mm-hmm. Especially because they were like, humanity sucks, look at us. <laughs> Our skin is blue. Um, So, they all leave. Marsaw's like, God, whatever. And it's shortly after this uh, that the Awoken discover that the Fallen were planning on attacking the last city. And their big old dumb attempt to take it. And the Awoken decide to intervene after they find out that one of the houses, the House of Wolves, mm. was trying to move through their space to get to Earth to assist their allies. And the Awoken went, what if we just decide to mess with them? <laughs> this leads to an on and off war with the House of Wolves that culminates in a Awoken victory when Varix, a scribe in the House of Wolves, decides to betray his Kel, Skolas, and join the Awoken, allowing him to win a giant battle leading to Skolas being imprisoned in the Prison of Elders, and Varix then crowns Marasov as the new Kel of the House of Wolves, which is why she now has a bunch of uh, uh, Fallen just hanging out with her. So, whew, we don't learn any of this in Destiny 1, by the way, just nope. letting you all know there. No, you just find a blue lady with her Fallen entourage. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then the House of Wolves expansion happens where they talk about Skolas, and then that's about it. So, the Awoken are very tiresome. You immediately explain that you're trying to find the Black Garden, which Aldrin is immediately hostile to this before Marasov pulls him back and immediately schemes something that's 
barely a scheme, and agrees to help you out, provided you bring back the head of a Vex gate lord. So you do that, and upon coming back, Aldrin immediately taunts you for running away and being a coward, and then you produce the head of the gate lord. Marasov and Aldrin then get into an argument about what they should do with you, with Aldrin wanting to kill you, and Mara being like, eh, let him go to the Black Garden, they'll probably just die there, who cares? So then they give you Why an object. Why did Marasov want that head? What does she care about the Vex in the Black Garden anyway? So it turns out she was just doing that so that you owe her a favor. Right, okay. Because as she says, she tells you that when she needs an ally, they expect you to answer. Now, well, she says, we expect it to answer, I, sh- right. I guess I should say. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to just tell you this now. Well, hmm, you might have to make good on that at some point. You will never make good on it in Destiny 1. No. But we'll, we'll get into that next episode. Also, you're like way deeper in there at this point in Destiny 2, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more like y'all got to team up at that point. Right. So on Mars, they go to the lost. So you're directed to go to the lost city of Freehold on Mars, which is occupied by the Cabal. I love the Cabal. They are dumb. So the Cabal are a race of hulking creatures that are a cross between rhinos and turtles. As for their like society and how it's built up, they are space Rome, hundred percent. Their empire is set up in a similar style of the Roman Empire, down to really liking gladiatorial combat. And naming almost all their members with vaguely sounding like Latin words. They basically exist for the battle and are here to take the solar system from everyone. Whether that's Fallen, Vex, Hive, or Humanity. Uh, they really like gold and purple. Because once again, space mm-hmm. Rome. And they are their leader is really into hedonism. Man is just like literally just on the throne eating just like grapes or giant mm-hmm. space grapes. Now... Like, upon defeating, like, enemy races, they have a tendency to subsume them into their empire as warriors. This includes a race called the Scions, human-sized creatures known for their psychic powers, uh, who are able to, like, cross dimensions in many ways. Right. So they subsumed the Scions and, like, some dogs. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Like, they said that, but I've only ever seen, like, two shapes of Cabal. Yeah! That aren't dogs. Yeah, I, I think it's implied that their gladiator fighters are also, in Destiny 2, are also um, another species uh, that got subsumed, but mm. they look just like Cabal. So right. it, uh, I don't know if that counts, honestly. But yeah, yeah, their whole thing is that they want to defeat humanity and incorporate them, particularly the uh, Vanguard, because they're like, mm. man, those Guardians are pretty badass. It'd be yep. pretty cool if they can't get out with us. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, they're there on Mars, basically trying to fight off the Vex and whatnot, just claim it for themselves as kind of like a foothold into the galaxy, or galaxy, uh, the solar system. Mm-hmm. And uh, you basically fight their way through them and find the giant portal that leads you to the Black Garden, which is basically a giant pulsating... Well, inside of it is um, basically a field of greenery and flowers. It's basically like a pocket dimension that in the center of it is the giant pulsating black orb of darkness... Uh, that's the Black Heart. Now, it turns out the Vex are worshipping it, so you destroy it, preventing the Vex from using it for their purposes. So, yay! Yay. Cool. So back back at the Tower on Earth, the Speaker then talks to the amassed ranks of the Guardians. This is, by the way, the only cutscene where you see Kate, Zavala, and Ikora, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
He then tells them that what remains of the they are what remains of the light, and they will not be stamped out as you go to meet with the stranger. She then tells you the real fight takes place out there. And then she gives you her gun, which is a blue rarity and sucks. <laughs> like, she, like, it's supposed to be like, man, yeah, take my cool gun. And you get it and it's like, oh, this gun's actually shit. <laughs> man. Oh. <laughs> she then tells you all ends are beginnings and our fight is far from over. Evelyn, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Evelyn. <laughs> The end. That's the end of the game. Oh. <laughs> Cue Paul McCartney's song. So it's the end, but it's not the end, I should say. Yeah. Because there technically is a, a raid that you can go on, the Vault of Glass, where you go into basically a Vex construct uh, on Venus in order to stop Atheon, who is... It's, it's a little unclear what he's trying to do. It seems like he's trying to create a confluence uh, essentially basically meld time together in a way that's just like a digital shape mm -hmm. you basically have to travel time in like pocket dimensions in a fight that actually was really cool mm -hmm. in order to beat um in order to beat atheon or if you're playing og destiny you just do a couple movements and he accidentally walks off a cliff and dies <laughs> which is funny as hell yeah but yeah after that that is the end of destiny so there is something I want to mention about the raids in yes. general because it is it is part of Bungie's ongoing struggle with how to tell the story of this game. Mm. So the raids are canon and unlike the Vault of Glass, they will eventually become significant events in the storyline. They absolutely will, yes. Um literally starting with the next expansion actually. Yes. However, due to a number of factors, such as they're hard to do, and they, to date, I believe, still don't have a general matchmaking system for it, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't do them. Mm -hmm. But the events of that story, the, the events of the raid still have to happen. Yeah. And this is where the, you are the special guy, you do all of the things, actually comes into question. Because maybe you don't. Mm -hmm. Maybe it turns out someone else did the raid. Yeah. Because effectively, once the raid comes out, about a week after people start clearing it, Everyone just sort of gets the next part of the story, and if you didn't do the raid, you just get, like, a message that said, oh, yeah, some people did the raid. Mm -hmm. Some brave guardians defeated the Black Root Crypt or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Crazy stuff happened in there. Anyway. Yeah. You, you can go do it if you want to see that part of the story, but, uh, Yeah, you know. but canonically, you didn't do it. Yeah, so, uh, grass, I guess. Lazy-ass guardian. And it's it's so weird. It's so weird that mm -hmm. the game can just be like, here's this part of the story. You didn't do it fast enough. Therefore, you didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is interesting that that's the decision they they went with with that. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you, you can't force people to do this, especially in a, in a game whose ethos is like, well, you should have the freedom to do what you want, you know? Right. If you want to just do crucible matches over and over, fine. If you want to do strikes over and over, fine. Like, we have to kind of tailor the experience to account for that. And I think that's part of the reason why they try in particularly hard in Destiny 1 to make it seem like, well, you're just one of many guardians. Right. You know, it's 
you're working as a team. You're constantly working as a team to accomplish all these great things. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that they do try to cultivate that that feeling. Mm. But then they also constantly undercut it by having all these special things happen to you. Mm-hmm. And and having you do, like, the thing that's going to move humanity forward mm-hmm. as part of the story. But then also it's like, oh, no, don't worry about Crota. Someone else will kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone else will handle that problem. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You don't, you don't want to do that raid anyways. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. That's the interesting problem with, like, doing a story in an MMO, I guess. Like, I'm sure, like, World of Warcraft has similar issues. Or, yeah, I don't know, I, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. No, no, I know that World of Warcraft, I also heard that for a long time, it very heavily resisted, like, making you the the spotlight character. You, mm. you were just sort of another character in the world's ongoing story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, it... Yeah. But, I mean... My personal experiences with Final Fantasy XIV, where you are the most major character to have existed mm-hmm. in the last like thousand, five thousand years, and that game's story or that game's uh, solution to that problem is: did you not do the story? Well, then the story doesn't move forward for you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's interesting that they sort of like went with this yeah. this sort of uh, this sort of tact, and I think part of it is also influenced by the fact that they had to redo the story entirely a year yeah. out. Um, which, speaking of, you want to hear about what Destiny's story was supposed to be? I do because I was actually thinking about this, and I was like, I I still think it was a stupid decision to scrap it, mm-hmm. but I bet that story had problems. It probably did, and it should be mentioned. This is not going to be long. This is essentially like an insider's take on it uh, that mm-hmm. was reported by Jason uh, uh, Schreier. Mm. So it's not going to be the full treatment, but right. at least uh, it'll give us a little bit of an idea of what was going on. So the idea is that story, Destiny's story went through several revisions before the reboot, but the supercut that was shown uh, faithfully over the summer of 2013 uh, basically result, revolved around the players trying to find the war mind Rasputin, right? Mm. So he would have like a more prominent role and like uh, the Hive was going to show up and kidnap Rasputin, who like Rasputin was an exo in this game. Oh, okay. Yeah. In fact, it is theorized that the Mysterious Stranger, uh, their model was originally uh, uh, Rasputin's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like um, mm. essentially like you are going to be uh going through that trying to find where the heck rasputin was going to the different planets and whatnot tracking down the hive and the different uh races and in the meantime you're going to be getting help by uh a few different people first was osiris who is going to be basically like an obi-wan kenobi like a mentor who was living on mercury uh-huh who's basically going to be like hey i'm going to basically teach you about all the backstory of destiny more or less right and like help you figure out what's what the heck is going on. Uh, another character that you were supposed to run into was Crow, hmm. uh, whose character model got re uh, reused for Prince Aldrin instead. Uh, who's basically going to be a standoffish rogue who was going to be working with you and Osiris to help uh, discover once again where the heck Rasputin went. He's apparently also supposed to have like some traits of Cade Six in his personality as well. Mm-hmm. Um. 
and like, yeah, like a lot of this was going to be like missions where there would be like a good 30 to 45 second cutscene of like an APC setting up the mission context or like a dramatic discovery would be radioed to you. You would have to discover what's going on while, you know, getting called into like a middle of a firefight by another character and whatnot. It's supposed to make the mission seem like a lot more dynamic. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yes. And so eventually you were going to like find Rasputin on the hive ship, uh, the Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. But like when you're like going to discover him, you're going to find that uh, the Exo's like body was essentially empty. And it turns out that the Exo itself wasn't Rasputin, but rather just controlled by the war mind. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was just using itself to like kind of like upload itself into the greater network. And this was going to lead to potentially like trouble down the line as you maybe try to fight uh have to fight Rasputin at some point. It was also gonna get a lot more into the traveler as well, uh specifically like what exactly the traveler's deal was, and maybe dig more into whether or not the traveler was actually a benign object or rather mm-hmm. one that had its own goals and motivations. Right. Uh stuff that's gonna be acted upon more in Destiny 2. So like you can see pieces in here of what like uh what eventually destiny is going to grow into like stuff involving uh Aldrin and crow and mm-hmm. like uh things with osiris like tr- digging into the vex and you know rasputin's whole deal right uh, and of course areas such as like mercury and the dreadnought which you're going to visit in later expansions mm-hmm. uh, so yeah like yeah no too much beyond that but essentially that was just kind of like the basic through line of what you're going to be doing right yeah so again like i feel like i have trouble believing that every bungee higher up who was at that meeting looked at a masterpiece story and decided to throw it out and rewrite it in a year Mm. like i i i feel like there were probably issues with that script to be fair for that for things to have gone that way but Mm -hmm. like god at least that's something Mm -hmm. whatever the good or bad about that script is at least there is a point to you doing things that you're doing there is yeah oh there is one other piece of information that i did miss which i think is very relevant Mm. so the traveler was supposed to be built by the vex as a tool to mine labor and resources from civilizations? Huh. Yes. At a darkness with the combined forces of the civilizations that either already conquered or abandoned. Which makes sense, given that they still say, like, man, the Fallen, the Cabal, man, they're so in touch with the darkness, which is just right. totally not true now. Right. Uh, yeah, the Black Garden was supposed to be inside the Traveler, and the boss, final boss was actually supposed to be the Speaker, who was evil. Interesting. Hmm. I feel... Okay. I feel like the biggest problem that I am hearing with that story is there's there's not really anywhere for it to go. There isn't, no. Like they- that, the first game culminates in turning on the Traveler mm-hmm. and saying the darkness was right. Get out of here, the Traveler. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you what do you do with the next nine years after that? Yeah, they kind of reveal the mystery a little too early. Yeah, 
which is interesting. Very, very interesting that they do that. Yeah. Which I guess they could, like it could end with like you having to you now use the traveler for your own ends or something like that, and maybe you could lead to something with that. Maybe, yeah. But but still, yeah, it, it actually reveals a lot more than honestly I would have expected. Right, and like yeah, it really only leaves the vex to be dealt with at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of does. Yeah, yeah. So I can see why they maybe decided to change that up. Right. I guess that also explains why the Vex end up being like a lot of the final content of Destiny 1. Mm-hmm. Because they were supposed to be kind of the source of the problem. Yep. Yep. And yeah, if you believe the thing of like the basic message structure was already complete, they just had like, they just decided to rejigger it. Mm-hmm. It That actually makes a perfect amount of sense why, yeah. We do, yeah. Like, you are kind of all over the place fighting different alien species. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's just like, uh, all Vex all the time. You're like, yep. oh, okay, cool, yep. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. But, yeah, that's Destiny 1. And next time, we're going to finish out Year 1. And, in fact, we're going to finish out Year 2 as we just get through the rest of the Destiny. As we talk about the four expansions. The two mini expansions, The Dark Below and The um, House of Wolves. And then follow up with the two more major expansions. The um, the Taking King, and then their oh god oh no Destiny Two is not ready <laughs> expansion the Siva Crisis, <laughs> an expansion that even Bungie doesn't really talk about anymore. Yeah, yeah, we, we just we we saved the armor sets. Yeah, we it's saved fine. the armor sets, but we didn't save the legendary old world machine gun that had the, the selectable fire, which I'm so sad about. They need to bring that back. Ah, yeah. So, it was probably it would probably be too good it probably would be actually it probably would be because i know this is getting way too in the weeds but mm-hmm. when they sort of rebooted the opening of destiny in destiny 2 which right. we will get to eventually mm-hmm. uh, people realized that the yeah the old world machine gun you get in that was actually still incredibly viable for multiplayer <laughs> <laughs> and actually certain other game modes to where people are like oh we need to actually do that so we can grab it mm. Yeah, so that was that was a funny turn of events because that's exactly how it worked in Destiny One. <laughs> but people realize who like actually scrapped it realize, oh no, this is really good in the current meta of OG Destiny. We need to restart our characters. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, Alex, how are you feeling? I I I love this stupid crap. It's so yeah. oh, it's wild. It, it, it is a uniquely wild journey that this series has gone through. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. Like, as much as I complain about Destiny, it is, if nothing else, incredibly interesting. Yes. And, like, I am legit excited to talk about some of the arcs that go through in Destiny 2, because, once again, they do some really cool and interesting stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We just got to get through Destiny 1, unfortunately. Yeah. Boy, I can't wait to talk about Eris Morn, or as I like to call her, people's introduction to modern day destiny. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about, Eris. But yeah, that'll be for next time. In the meantime, if you want to listen to other episodes of Fallen Through Plot Holes, go to ftp.podbean.com or search for Fallen Through Plot Holes on your podcast service of choice. You can also find us on YouTube as well. Just search for Fallen Through Plot Holes, and I will include a link in the description. Uh, so I guess I got to get on that again. That'll be mm. fun. Leave us a comment uh, 
at uh, either on YouTube or in the email that I'm going to start including. Why don't you tell us about what character that has zero backstory that you like the most? Tell us about how big of a fan you are of Ava Levante. Remember <laughs> Ava Levante? I try not to. Bungie remembers her exactly once per year. Maybe two. I'm not Maybe. sure. I've never played the yeah. Christmas events. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know at this point. I love Ava Levante because she shows up in Destiny 1 long enough to give you the pre-order shaders that for like literally a year, I think, were the only like character shaders you can get, aka mm. abilities to change the color of what your armor looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like two of them were like you had to get like a Mountain Dew and enter a code. Oh, God. Oh, good stuff. Uh, good Activision stuff. marketing at its finest. Yep. Absolutely the best. Anyways, with that... Take care, everybody. Take care.